Happy holidays, everybody. Angela Bowen here, the host of Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast, and looking back on my Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. How's everyone doing this December? I'm doing good. Looking in, recording, getting to some Christmas movie reviews this weekend, so you guys can look forward to that. I really want to. I want to get to Stepmom. I want to get to a dog named Christmas. And just a slew of other things. I think uh, season eight uh, episode, um, Little House on the Prairie, a Christmas they never forgot. So that's some of the stuff that is going to be going to be coming your way before Christmas. Also, the two Fuller House Christmas episode, season two's The Nutcrackers, and season four's Oh My Santa. And don't worry, guys, because after Christmas, I got a little fun things to ruin, run, rit, that, <laughs> to ring in the new year. Yes, I can't forget about ringing in the new year. So I'm going to also be doing Full House Happy New Year and Fuller House Happy New Year Baby. Yeah, so you guys can ring in the new year. But listening to those two reviews, I those are in my yearly rotation along with the Christmas episodes of Full and Fuller House. So, All right, but today, for the first time ever, I've seen this every single Christmas. Every single Christmas I pull this out and Jeremy and I watch it. But this is the first time I'm doing this on the podcast. The Christmas short I'm speaking of is Mickey's Christmas Carol from 1983 it's about 26 minutes long so you guys all know you know a christmas carol there was a jim carrey version animated cgi version there's just been countless 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 versions of this charles dickens classic that have come down the pipe and the last probably hundred years since this book was published I'm sure it's probably been at least 100 years or more, most likely, since that book was published. All right. The classic Disney animated characters play the roles in this animated retelling of the Charles Dickens masterpiece. Guys, this is, the, this is one of my favorites. Definitely one of my favorites. Oh, here's another one written by, uh, another summary written by another person. It's the same old classic Charles Dickens story with an all-star Disney cast. Uncle Scrooge McDuck is appropriately enough Scrooge and is visited by his partner, his dead partner, and three spirits one night to remember the joys of Christmas. This has an 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb based on 9,218 ratings. We have Alan Young, who does the voice of Scrooge, who, R.I.P., passed away about a little over three years ago. And yes, guys, I would say a good chunk of people on this cast list are going to be R.I.P.'s. Um, directed by Bernie Madison and Richard Rich, who goes uncredited. There are so many connections they go on for today, so I'm not going to touch that. Um, I do want to get into some trivia, though. Let's see if we can learn some th fun things that we might not have known about this. Oh, this is the last film where Clarence Nash provides the voice of Donald Duck, and the first where Wayne Elwin provides the voice of Mickey Mouse. All right. 
Originally, Alan Young was not considered for Scrooge, despite having played it in the album recording. Reportedly, it was because Walt Disney Pictures believed he would not agree to do a voice for animated film. However, when Young learned about the film and production from a friend preparing to audition for the lead, he contacted the film company to request an audition. The resulting audition was successful and Young learned about the studio's reason for not contacting him. In reaction, Young responded, Hey, I worked in television for five years with the talking horse. At this point in my career, nothing's beneath me. Well said, Alan. Well said. <laughs> As it happened, Young was praised for the role and continued to voice Scrooge McDuck, Scrooge McDuck throughout his life, yes. That's who us kiddies of the 80s and 90s knew Scrooge McDuck. We might not have known who Alan Young was, but we knew Scrooge McDuck's voice. I mean, his voice is pretty unmistakable. This was the last Disney film until A Bug's Life and Aladdin to say the end. The theatrical release of this film was as part of the 1983 reissue of The Rescuers, which came out in 1977. The opening scene is apparently modeled on a Carl Banks painting called The Season to Be Jolly, which features Uncle Scrooge walking down the street with a bag of money on his back. You would not get away with that nowadays. Your butt would be robbed, most likely. You don't go flashing around. You don't go taking out your wallet. You don't go flashing out your money. You don't flash out your cards. Because that is a good way that somebody you don't know, guys. You don't just start flashing stuff around like, oh, look at my money. You're going to get robbed. Or assaulted or both. So don't do it. You keep your money. You keep your purse strings tight. You keep your money close to your body. On the original... 1975 LP, which served as inspiration for this film, The Ghost of Christmas Past was Merlin from The Sword in the Stone, 1963, and The Ghost of Christmas Future was the evil witch from The Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I don't like that. I like what they did in the short. I, I'm glad that this is not... That just would be weird. <laughs> I don't know why, but it would. Minnie Mouse plays Mrs. Cratchit, though she doesn't have a single line. Rusty Taylor did record dialogue, though, which never ended up in the finished film. I would have been interested to know what that dialogue was. The first animated short with Mickey Mouse since The Simple Things from 1953. This is also the first time that Ellen Young provides the voice of Scrooge McDuck. Bill Thompson, who'd done the voice in Scrooge McDuck and Money in 1967, had passed away, and Ellen Young's voice is notably softer than Thompson's was with a stronger Scots accent. In the book, A Christmas Carol, Scrooge's nephew Fred is married, but in this version, he is not married. Scrooge pl pays Cratchit Mickey Mouse two shillings and a halfpenny, otherwise known as a halfpenny, a day after giving him a raise for doing Scrooge's laundry. Well, he better be giving him something for doing that laundry, because I wouldn't be doing that for free. Washing your undergarments? No, thank you. That, I draw the line at that. That, no, no, no. You couldn't give me a million dollars to be washing your undergarments, Scrooge. I'm sorry. This was the last movie that had opening credits, but no end credits. During the future segment, while the weasels are burying Scrooge, there's a tombstone in the background that reads Gladys Knight, re referencing Gladys Knight. Gladys Knight? I don't know her. She, she, maybe she's a voice actress. Okay. 
Ebenezer, voiced by Alan Young, says he had his old partner Jacob Marley buried at sea. When he passed away, Alan Young was buried at sea. Really? All right, cool, cool. Voice actor Will Ryan came up with the idea to recreate Willie the Giant's The Ghost of Christmas Presents flub of the word pistachio from Mickey and the Beanstalk 1947. Yeah, when I saw this short, that's what I remember that giant from is the Mickey and the Beanstalk short. So the release date for this short was December 16th, 1983. So I would have been about a year old at this time. Tagline for this. He's back, Mickey Mouse, in his first motion picture in 30 years. It says budget was $3 million. All right. Okay, so of course the writer is Charles Dickens. It's based on the book A Christmas Carol and Bernie Matheson, Madison story adaption. Tony Marino story adaption. Ed Gombert story adaption. Don Griffith, Alan Young, and Alan Dinert. Dinert? All right. Alright guys, I'm sure you guys are ready for me to dive into this, and I'm going to do it right now. Now, I love this opening. It's so amazing. It, the first thing we get right off the bat is the three little pigs underneath one of those old, um, old-timey lights, out, you know, light pole. And they're, you know, they got the scarves around the neck and they got the Christmas carol books that are reading or the Christmas song books that they're, they're singing from and everything. But what I like about this is the background. It's like, it's like a golden color with a, like the, the parchment, the um, parchment paper, but it's got like a crinkly effect to it, almost like you like crumpled something up and then you went and you take it and you like smooth it out, but it's still got like the crinkles and the wrinkles in it. And it's just got this beautiful glow to it. It just, it just creates a kind of warm and soft and cozy feeling. Like, you, you know, you're settling in, you're by the fire, you got your blanket, you got your hot cocoa, and you're just settling in to just watch this beautiful movie. I mean, I know it's a short, but still. We get the title card, Mickey's Christmas Carol. We see Mickey as Bob Cratchit at his little desk working on, you know, Scrooge's books and everything. You know, always keeping accounting. You know, he's an uh, accountant helping Scrooge make sure that his money is all where it needs to be. The next image or drawing that we get is Scrooge McDuck carrying his money bag, kind of looking over his shoulder, almost like making sure no one's following him as he enters the place of Scrooge and Marley. As you see Scrooge and Marley's, the sign just above the door. And the look that Scrooge gives when he looks over his shoulder, his, eye, his eyebrows are just, fur, like, furrowed, and his eyes are narrowed, like, you better not follow me. You don't know what I'm pa- <laughs> No. Uh, he, he just, which, he's an older, you know, I wouldn't call him 100% feeble. I mean, this guy looks like he could take anybody who tries to take that money sack from him. 
it's like you, if they got the demeanor, it's like you know, like you don't mess with them, you stay clear away from them. We see with the voice talents of Alan Young as Scrooge, we see Scrooge bent over his table with his feather quill, writing amounts of money in his books. We see all the other names here. We see Donald holding up that Christmas wreath with the bow, and he's just so excited and happy to bring joyous cheer to everyone all around him. Now these two characters are from um, the adventures of what is it called? Um, adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. They're both like the tall They, I think they might one's a tall mouse and the smaller one it looks like maybe a garden mole. Um, but the tall mouse has the little white mustache. He's got the Sherlock Holmes hat. And then we have, um, the, the mole rat guy with the, with the, I guess maybe a bowler cap, if you want to call it that. Um, and he's holding the little tin cup, like just saying, you know, for the poor and stuff like that. But I believe they might be from that Ichabod and, and Mr. Toad um, short, which I've never seen that one. But there are quite a few characters that show up from that particular short in this. as lo Along with others from other movies, which I will definitely be pointing out to you. Get, there are a lot of voice actors on here. So we also get uh, another creative talent of... You know, other voice actors, people that worked with animation. We see a drawing of Scrooge going up the stairs of the house that he lives in. You see that big ominous shadow, like, right over him. We also see him now with, uh, he's in his armchair, Scrooge's. He's got, you know, they didn't have electricity back then, so I had to use, like, a candle on a candle holder and he's just kind of waving it around like is someone there is someone there he's got this look like oh you better try to haunt me because i'm gonna come after you <laughs> he's just got this look like don't you bug me i i put in my 20 hours of work today i am done but look goofy as bob marley it's just it's funny because He's not threatening in any way. Even in this picture, he's like just waving by, like, bye, you'll be visited by three ghosts very shortly. Like, I put Marley's ghost right up there with Casper. I mean, Marley here's got an ominous warning for Scrooge. Like, you need to change your ways or you are going to just uh, cease to exist. Oh, yeah. It's... Jiminy Cricket from Pinocchio. There's a drawing of him hanging up on that little, um, that candle holder. We have a young Bob, um, I keep wanting to call him Scrooge Bob Cratchit. I don't want to do that to him. It's not fair. Um, it's not fair to Bob Cratchit, by the way. But it's a young Scrooge. And I'm guessing the girl's name is this, it's Daisy, you know, Donald and Daisy. But I'm trying to remember... I can't remember her name at the moment, but we will get to it. It's not Daisy in this, I don't believe. But Scrooge just looks young, like probably 
late, late, I guess early, maybe early 20, like maybe 20 years old here. And he's just like, he looks like a young man, you know, fresh out of college and just, he's got his whole life ahead of him. He's got his girl on his arm. He's dancing with her. And it's just amazing that we're going to see some time has passed and he is not that same guy anymore. So the last picture we get, it's, and all this is semi-sepia-toned with that golden hint on that parchment paper. So we see a weather vane kind of looking out over a town, and then from there it starts to snow. Alright, so straight out the gate, we got the big bad wolf, and we got the, um, the three little pig pigs. What did the... Three little pigs ever actually have individual names? Of course, the big bad wolf, he is Santa. He is ringing the bell. He's like one of those Salvation Army people in front of the Walmart. He's got a giant pot which looks like there could be like stew in there or something. Like, hey, donate. I'll give you a little cup of chili, maybe some hot cocoa, stuff like that. We got um, one of the characters from Robin Hood, the dog who had the broken leg, who uh, had his money hidden in his cast, who the sheriff of Nottingham ended up taking anyway. It's like, I'm wise to your tricks. You can't fool me. I'll find that money. We do have the three little pigs. They are singing some Christmas carols. We got Scrooge coming in. He's hunched over. He's got a cane. And he's got his bag of... I'm guessing money or something in there. So the Robin Hood dog, of course, looks like he and two other gentlemen. Looks like they could very well be homeless. They are standing over a few sticks that are on fire trying to warm their their hands. The Robin Hood dog has got the white gloves, but they're torn and ripped to show that he's um, not monetarily well at the moment. Of course, the Robin Hood dog sees Scrooge, turns over, and says, Give a penny to the poor, Governor. Penny for the poor. And Scrooge just turns and looks over his shoulder. Doesn't even really bother turning around at him like, Excuse me? You think you have the right to ask me for money? And he And Scrooge, like, he doesn't even fully turn around. It's like, this guy's not... Con his head can turn... Like, an owl's. And he keeps looking at this Robin Hood dog's outstretched hand, almost like, uh, get, don't touch me with that. Ugh. Like, he's disgusted, and he is just totally turned off by, it. like, how, he's offended. He's like, how dare you? How dare you ask me for money? Who do you think you are? He just says, bah! And he takes his cane in his hand and lifts it. I thought he was going to cane that guy. I thought he was going to hit him over the head with his cane, but he just walks off. Okay, so this is a counting house is where he's going to, which is basically his uh, accounting firm. And there is a wooden sign that's got snow collected on it that says Scrooge and Marley. Oh, well, Marley has actually been crossed out because Scrooge is a jerk. We get a little bit of exposition as they say, say a little backstory. He says, my partner, Jacob Marley, dead seven years today. And he's like, ah, oh, he was a good and he robbed from the widows and swindled the poor. Well, was his name not the Sheriff of Nottingham? Because that sounds like that was that, that guy does. <laughs> as 
as he's knocking the snow off the sign, we see Scrooge and Marley, which is crossed out. He's like, oh, in his will, Jacob left me just enough to bury him, you know, to pay for his tombstone. But I kept the money and buried him in, at sea. I mean, he ain't gonna know, right? I mean, he's dead. This guy, I mean, right away, I mean, you're not gonna, you know, like, oh, this guy's a jerk because he doesn't donate. You know, he doesn't give money to, you know, people without stretched hands and everything. No. He's a jerk. I mean, you get his character just by his... The fact that he would take money meant for a tombstone and just say, oh, we'll just toss his body out at sea with the garbage. Like, it doesn't... Like, jerk! Right? So, Scrooge comes in, looks at the empty chair where uh, Bob's butt should be uh, warming... And notices him over by the potbelly stove, you know, trying to get some air circulate, some nice, warm, comfy air to circulate that cold, cold room. Because even the ink is frozen. So it's like, I can't write. This is frozen. I I can't do my job. I'm, I'm not, like, selfishly trying to, you know, unfreeze my fingers. Be- I'm... You know, I mean, poor guy. He's just like, uh, no, no, I, 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 the ink. I, I have to, my, my fingers. Like, dude, just, it's okay. Just that he's not working for the split second. It's, and, and Bob is so scared. He's like scared to death. Like, oh my God, that man's going to hit me with his cane. He probably has. And, of course, Scrooge, first thing out of his mouth, Ratchet, what are you doing with that piece of coal? It's like, he thinks he's going to steal it for himself. He's like, oh, I was uh, just trying to thaw the the ink. See, see, I'm I'm holding it right now. I mean, the quill won't even come out of the ink. It's, like, stuck. Of course, that excuse is not going to fly with uh, Scrooge or Ebenezer. He's like, bah, you used a piece last week. Docking your pay. Basically, well, now get on with your work, Cratchit. Just use your finger and just draw with your finger until the ink thaw. It's like, dude, what is, do you got spare ink somewhere that he can use that is, say, maybe liquefied and not, like, frozen? So Mickey, (laughs) he wanted to call him Mickey. Bob, 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 Bob Cratchit. Bob it got like a stack of four books because that is a very high chair and that is a very high table that would make me i i don't i don't like big high chairs like that they make me i'm short so but he's like get back to work and as mickey is like popping himself up back on his chair he's like oh uh speaking of work mr scrooge um tomorrow is christmas and i was wondering if i could you know have it off to spend time with my 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 family if, if if that's okay i mean i love my family dearly i love my work too but i just it's one day a year i mean there's a framed sign that says talk is cheap and you see while bob is t- explaining all this about why to have you know oh he does he even just asked for a half a day not a full day And you see Scrooge, like, he's holding his coat, and as soon as Bob even mentions the idea of a half a day, or Christmas, he just stops, like, 
suppose. All right, but I'm gonna have to dock you a half a day's pay. You got me? All right. That's your Christmas gift this year. There'll be that's your bonus this year. Okay, so that's what was in that sack was like five or six mini leather leather bags wrapped with like some um twine and filled with my okay, so now uh, let's see. Cause he's getting on how much do I pay you again? Alright, two shillings a day. Of course Bob cracks me like, oh no, I mean uh that is two shillings and a hey penny, uh sir. And of course Scrooge is so cheap. Ebenezer is so cheap. It's like, oh yeah, I gave you that raise like three years ago. Oh, that's mad. Buddy, Bob, Bob, man, you gotta find some better employment, buddy, because this is... But he's been with the company for... I mean, do you even call it a company? It's like two, a boss and one person working for him. And, and basically, all he's doing day in, day out is just counting all the money that Bob brings in. I mean, that Scrooge... Ebony's... Oh, my God. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, he gave him a raise because... Three years ago, that's when Bob started doing uh, Scrooge's laundry. <sighs> oh my god. Alright, he's like, uh, Scrooge is like, over this. Like, alright, yeah, enough talk of raises and wages, okay? Just, just, just get, get back to work. No more personal talk. Oh, here you go. Here's an old bu another bundle of shirts for you to wash. I'm seeing a clock. It looks like it's like 8 in the, eight in the morning. So, of course, you know, Bob is flying high on this. He gets half a day, you know, for Christmas to spend with his family and everything. So, when he accepts that bundle of clothes, like, oh, yes, sir. Th thank you, sir. Scrooge sits down at his desk. He's got his leather sacks of money. He's got some coins just sitting out at the edge of his desk. He's got one of those uh, things where it's got, like, little... Um, I don't know what the proper term is for it, where it's got, like, you're putting, like, money on one side and then money on the other side, and it kind of, like, back and forth, like, evens out or however. I know there's a proper term for it. The chair that Scrooge is sitting in looks extremely uncomfortable. It's one of those high-back wooden chairs, and it just looks like... He would have... That's probably why he's hunched over all the time. He's got back issues. Osteoporosis, maybe? Do you not drink enough milk? I mean, uh, Scrooge is at this point... I mean, he's beyond the the point of where milk, drinking milk every day, every day, all day, would even help him at all. That'd even be his bad attitude. If he had a better attitude, he wouldn't be hunched over all the time. I bet that... take A poor attitude affects the body, too. The guy said that when he was asking for donations, he or money, uh, he had governor. He's calling him governor. So, and then now we get Scrooge like taking money from people, fifty shillings and this and that from someone named McDuff. Eighty percent interest. Good golly, Miss Molly. Fifty pounds and ten shillings from McDuff. And 80%. I'm surprised that whole town isn't living on the street. That is insane. I'm surprised they don't say, that's it, we're moving. We're moving out of this town. This town is going to be vacant. Because you taxed everyone to the point where they don't have anything anymore. 
He's compounding that 80% interest daily. Oh my god. D McDuff, you need to get out of that town, guy. You need to set up shop somewhere else because that is insane. <laughs> he loves his money so much because this is the way of screw. He's like, money, money, money. And he bends over and he hugs it like he's embracing a loved one. And I love how his little, his little feather tail up top is just wagging like a little puppy dog. He's like, oh, I haven't seen you in ages. Love you, love you, love you. Like, yeah, he's hugging the money like it's... If he had a wife, the money would be his wife, and he's just embracing it. Like, oh, I love you, I love you, oh! Hence the term, if you love it so much, why don't you marry it? <laughs> I mean, if you grew up in, like, what, the 80s, not, who, who didn't say that line? If you love it so much, why don't you marry it? Oh, here we go. Boom! Door busts open. It's Fred! The uh, nephew of Ebenezer. So Ebenezer's got some siblings out there, because he's got a nephew. And Fred is excited. It's like, hey, look, I got your Christmas wreath. You ordered it. I love, just, Donald just enters like, Merry Christmas! I'm like, yeah! <laughs> I'm so excited! It's Christmas! And of course, Bob right away picks up on that enthusiasm. Like, hey, Merry Christmas, Master Fred! And of course, we cut over to Scrooge, who's like, I thought I locked that door. <sighs> Yeah, this, yeah, yeah Scrooge is like, bah, humbug. And of course, Fred just, this, this is just Uncle, I mean, Scrooge, that's just how he is. Like, Merry Christmas, Uncle Scrooge! I can't do it. I can't do Donald to save my life. I can't imitate him. And Scrooge just explodes on both Fred and Bob, like, Christmas! As he slams the book down, slams the cover close, ugh, you want to know what Christmas is? I'll tell you what Christmas is, all right? It's just another work day, which is what you both should be doing right now. You get back in your chair, and you get out of my office. They look like he is going to beat them senseless. Poor Fred has got that really God, please respect me. He's basically saying anyone who doesn't think that Christmas is another workday should be boiled in his own pudding. Like, oh my god, dude, you are something else. Oh, I just want to give Fred a big hug. Like, oh, buddy, it's okay. It's all right. I'll protect you. So scared. He's like clutching that wreath as if it were like a coat of armor or like a shield to protect him. And Bob is almost like he's trying to reason with Scrooge. Like, but sir... Christmas is a time for giving, a time to be with one's family. I'm like, like, family? What family? That there, that there is my family, that boy right there. You see what I'm working with? Oh, oh, Fred is getting some questions. I don't care. I sing Merry Christmas. Because Ebenezer is like, his middle name, I swear, should be Ebenezer Bahamberg Scrooge. Because he says it at least a hundred times in this movie. He said it at least five times since this movie began at least five minutes ago. And you see Bob, Bob is just like, oh, well said. Well said, Fred. And of course, Ebenezer is walking back to his chair. Just turns like, Fred, what are you doing? Why is your butt in that chair? Get in that chair. You are losing your wages right now by standing there and clapping. Of course... 
Bob's like, oh, I, um, I was just, keep, 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 keep my hands warm, see, oh, oh, so warm, oh, so warm as he climbs back into his chair. <laughs> so Ebenezer's like, nephew, what are you doing here? And of course, Fred's like, oh, here's your wreath that you ordered. I'm actually, I mean, I'm giving it to you. I'll give one out to all the um, people everywhere. And I'm inviting you to Christmas dinner where it's going to be a nice family. You know, every, every the whole town, the whole town is going to be there. It's going to be great. There's going to be food, pudding, pistachios, you name it. We're going to have it. It's going to be the celebration of the year. You got to be there. It's just going to be totally amazing plump goose with chestnut dressing i've never had either plum pudding uh, i don't know some of these things i mean i think it's just where they're at is that's their staple christmas foods lemon sauce on what exactly um, uh, lemon sauce on lemon meringue pie sure yum sounds great and candied fruit with spiced sugar cakes. Ooh, you know, that sounds interesting. But I could kind of get behind the spiced sugar cakes. I'm not, I mean, I'm not the biggest fruit and vegetable eater, but, eh. Candied fruit sounds interesting. Unless it's like, like the fruit cake. Is he referring to, uh, fruit cake? Because he says candied fruit with spiced sugar cakes. So that could even be, like, fruit cake. He's like, I get what he's doing here. Scrooge is like, you're going to have this oh, and that. And, oh. It's like he's like making him overly excited just to basically emotionally punch him in the gut. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm not going. Can you get out of my office now? I don't like Christmas. I don't want to have anything to do with Christmas. I don't even want you to mention the word Christmas. Just here. And here's your wreath, by the way. Just throws him out onto the street. Like, I'm done with you. Don't darken my doorway ever again. Thank you. Okay, wow, that bah humbug counter is sure getting up there. I think we're up to seven or eight now. Oh, these guys, I mean, I get what they're doing with the charity and all that, but you don't go to business and, and solicit. You don't do it. They just come in there like, oh, oh, is anyone here? Is anyone here? I got my, I got my tin can. It's like... I, I bet anything Scrooge is like, excuse me, what are you doing here? You're asking for donations? No. If I gave you something, you guys would be out of a job because you, you know, help the poor and everything, right? If I gave you money, you wouldn't need to work anymore because the poor wouldn't be poor anymore. Am I right? Right. Now please get out of here. Well, at first he thinks, Scrooge thinks they're customers. Like, oh, customers. Uh, the guy in the Sherlock Holmes hat, the mouse, is like, Sir, we are soliciting thoughts. Oh, you're soliciting, are you? Yeah, you no. Bye. Just turn around and exit the way you came. Indigent, indigent and destitute is what they're uh, collecting for. So basically, they're getting people that are homeless and maybe people that are uh, mentally handicapped, that aren't able to take care of themselves, stuff like that. Okay. I mean, I kind of get his semi-logic here. He's kind of twisting his, you know... In a way, it's like, oh, well, if I gave you money, the poor wouldn't be poor anymore, right? And you guys would be out of a job, right? Right. So, yeah, you guys just go on to the next building and see if they'll donate to your cause. If I had a violin here, I would be playing it because give me a break. This poor woe is me speech does not work on you, Cratchit. He's like, what is this world coming to? You work all your life to get money and then people are banging down your door to get your money?
people want you to give away your money? Oy. There's like no... Oh, that little potbelly stove is doing nothing. To the point where it's dark out now. I don't know how... What Bob's working hours are. But he's even holding his hands up to the light. There's a... Okay, this is like one of those oil lamp things, right? Because there was no electricity back then. He's holding his hands up, like hoping to get a little bit of warmth from that, um, the, the oil in the, in the glass and everything you heat. Like, and I feel bad for him. I mean, I know what it's like to have cold fingers. Like, yesterday it was like 17 degrees out and it felt like it was like 3. And I just walked from one place to another place that was maybe 20 plus feet away or more, maybe even more than that. And it's just like, well, I left my gloves in my car. Oh, God. And I was holding my book that I didn't read while I was at, uh, I had my car getting, uh, taken in because, and I just got these tires, like, a few months ago. Luckily, I have a warranty on them, but I guess one of them was not able to be repaired, so now I got a spare on my car. But anyway, while they were working all that stuff out, I, like, it's, like, going on noon, so it's like, I want to get something in my tummy, so I went to Lee's and got myself some... Little bit of mashed potatoes, you know, some um, chicken, and they even had a pecan pie, which I love pecan pie, so got that too. But just that short walk with no gloves, it's like, <sighs> I mean, I did have pockets, but like I said, I had the, had the, uh, the book, I couldn't, I, the book was a big book, by the way, too, so it's not like you could, like, shove it in a pocket or anything like that. How long is his work day? He's been there since 8 a.m. Do we get a timestamp? Hopefully, maybe the clock will tell us. It's 7 o'clock, so he's basically working 11 hours. Because he started around, what, 8 o'clock in the morning? I mean, I know it gets, in the winter, it gets dark at like 4.30, 5 o'clock at night. It's like pitch black outside. I mean, it's kind of weird seeing the sunset at like 2.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> um... But, you, I mean, if you guys, if you work, you know the end of the work day. You are, like, looking at that clock, like, come on, come on, come on. And he, he shuts his book because he's like, oh, great, 7 o'clock. I can punch out now. Of course, we cut over to uh, Scrooge's desk, who's got a giant, like, stopwatch. He's like, oh, it's two minutes fast. Of course, uh, Bob's like, oh, great. Oh, shoot. Hmm. So he just, like, hops back up on the chair and, like, flips the book open, grabs the quill. And uh, Scrooge is all like, uh, yeah, it's, you can go. Just just go. Just remember to be back here tomorrow. Surprised he didn't say, here's your early Christmas gift. I'm letting you go two minutes early. Oh, is that a framed photo of Bob's family? I can't really make it out, but it looks like a framed photo of somebody. Of course, Bob's like, oh, great. Oh, you're so kind. And, of course, Scrooge is like, never mind the mushy stuff. Just get out of my office. Thank you. I'm like, Bob, you could have just, I know, I know you're grateful, but he doesn't like sentiment. You know your boss. He doesn't like sentiment. So it's about 9 o'clock. You know, Bob Cratchit, he left. Scrooge is leaving. He's locking up. He's heading home in the dark. No one's. I mean, there's a horse and carriage and stuff like that. There's no cars or anything. Street's deserted. Everyone's home. Everyone's either in bed or they're just hanging out. 
having quality family time, reading a book by the fire, what have you. That snow is really picking up. It really should look like it as he was walking along now it's just simple flakes. And apparently since, you know, uh, Marley, his Scrooge's um, partner, his business partner, you know, he's gone. So, of course, Scrooge is like, well, I'll just live in Marley's house. I'll just move right in. I am not even going to throw out his stuff. I'll just use it. And you can tell it's Marley's place because he's got one of those gold knockers that's got Goofy's face on it. Actually, I think it looked more like a lion, but now it formed into Goofy's face. And this is the first start of Marley haunting Scrooge. He's like, Scrooge! So, Scrooge is like, like looking at the door knocker, like, what? Because he was, like, busy with the lock, and all of a sudden he's like, what in the what? Like, I know it's dark outside, and I know I'm, like, 60-plus years old. Because <laughs> he's got a hand to his head, like, okay, I've clearly worked a lot. It's late. I'm cold. Hypothermia could be setting in. Um, old age is set. I, he's like, okay, clearly I'm hallucinating. So the door, like, swings open, and it looks like someone almost pulls Scrooge inside or he just flies right in there. Either way, he's inside. Okay, when was the last time he had some... I don't even think he's been here. Because there's cobwebs on some of the furniture. One of the... There's, like, one picture, and it's crooked. And you see, like, 60 steps going upstairs. Oh, boy. Heaven forbid if Scrooge does not take a tumble. Because, you know, he's got a hunched back, he's got that cane, he's kind of feeble looking. So Scrooge is, like, just slowly walking up the steps, but he gets the feeling like there's a presence behind him. So, I mean, you see his shadow on the wall, and then you see Marley walking along, and you hear those chains that he's carrying on his body because, you know, he's in hell. Um, he's carrying those heavy chains. You know, all the deeds, all the bad things he did on, on Earth, now he's suffering for it in hell. I mean, they don't flat out say, you know, that he's in hell, but he's uh, in eternal damnation or however you want to call it. So Scrooge is like, at this point, he is just like eyes darting around like, what, what, huh, huh, I'm hearing things. And Marley's kind of messing with him because he's like pulling Scrooge's hat off his head and then putting it back on his head. And Scrooge's like, oh my god! And mind you, it's dark. If there's a window at the top of that stairs shining some moonlight, that is the only light that's coming into this place. Okay, um, there are five locks on this door when... Scrooge gets in there. He's like turning the lock, turning this lock and that lock and seriously, this guy must have thought that somebody was going to be coming after him because nobody has a regular door lock and then four additional ones on a door unless they're trying to keep somebody from getting to them. He's clearly peed a lot of people off. A lot of people, they already don't, the town does not like this man. So he's probably got a lot of enemies. So Scrooge is cowering in that big red chair. He's like, ah, it's almost like 
when you're a kid and you have a bad dream, like, say you're, in, like, in the dark and you're just looking out, and you know sometimes how in the dark, your mind does, my mind plays tricks with me in the dark. And it's like a little kid, like, oh, there's a big ghost at the end of the bed, I'm gonna hide under my covers. That's kind of what Scrooge is doing in this chair. He's cowering, just minus the bed covers. Because he hears Marley, Scrooge, and mind you, Scrooge, of course, left his cane on the floor, and Goofy being Goofy, because Goofy's playing Jacob Marley, is a big old clumsy klutzy, um, because he trips right over it. Like, oh, yep, that's Jacob Marley, all right. He always was a klutz. In fact, that's how he died. You know who Scrooge reminds me of? Mrs. Deagle from Gremlins. And Mrs. Deagle, if you've seen Gremlins, she's, Mrs. Deagle's got her big giant mansion. She's got one of those chairs that goes, you know, up the, the stairwell and everything. And she sees the Gremlins. She freaks out. She gets in her chair to head upstairs. Like, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. Like, they're coming for me to take me to hell. And Marley is re- Not Marley. <clears throat> Bless his soul. I swear, I think Marley was good until um, he got in with Ebenezer. And Ebenezer turned a sweet man into a crook. Just, Jacob Marley just looks like the type that could easily be taken advantage of. But I think, you know, Jacob Marley is quite a bit younger. I say at least 20 to 30 years younger than Scrooge is. Scrooge is definitely, he's got to be in his 60s. Although maybe he's probably in his 50s. Maybe back then 40 was like considered old. I mean, this is like what, the 1800s? So I'm just kind of like, I'm so sure Scrooge is like, oh my god, Jacob Marley, he knows that I didn't like buy him a tombstone and I just tossed his body out to sea. He's come to collect... He's come to kill me. So, Jacob Marley's like, Scrooge, don't you recognize me? And, of course, Ebony's, you know, Scrooge, he's got to light the candle. He's got to, like, fix his glasses and, like, really, really look. He's like, and he's taking back, like, Jacob Marley, it is you. And he's just kind of looking at him, like, what happened to you? What's with the chains and the, you know, the, the piggy bank that you're carrying around? And Jacob Marley's like, yeah, when I was alive, I was a terrible person. I robbed the widows and I swindled the poor. Kind of like what you're doing right now, yet you're still alive. And Scrooge is all like, oh, yeah, you did that all in the same day. And you had class, Jacob. <clears throat> and for a split set, I mean, you see, you know, Jacob Marley, he's got kind of a suit jacket and tie, kind of holding his lapels, like, yep, I sure, no, 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 that was very wrong. I shouldn't have done that. And he's like, I was wrong. And now, because of that, I'm forced to carry these heavy chains for all of eternity. Like, I don't get a break from this. This is, this is my afterlife. And get a good look, because if you don't change your ways, if you don't start doing something different, this is going to be your future. You're going to be dead. You're going to be carrying these chains just like me. So, and just seeing the sight of Jacob and the threat that the same could end up for Ebenezer. It's like, no, no, it can't. Please, Jacob, you you have to help me, please. There's got to be something that I can do. And Jacob's like, well, I like that you're, 
you know, changing your tune there, that's a good start. Um, but we gotta really nip this thing in the butt. So what's gonna happen? You got three ghosts are coming to you tonight, so you be ready. Each one is gonna re represent a different part of your life. You got your past, you got your current situation, and you got your bleak as far future, okay? So I'm, they, I'm gonna show you where you're gonna end up if you don't change. And you better listen to them and you do what they say and you take a good long look at who you were, who you are now, and who you could be or where you could end up. Because this is it for you. You don't change your ways, there, there, there's no going back. Basically, it's the end of the road. So Ebenezer is all in his nightcap and gown. He's got his candlestick. He's just checking the fireplace. Because, you know, Jacob did mention, like, the spirits, watch out for them, look for them. They're coming tonight. So granted, yes, of course, Ebenezer, he's going to check places. He's going to check the fireplace. He's going to check under the bed. He's going to check in the closet or in the iron wall. He's going to check around the window. And as soon as he's satisfied, he sees nothing. Boom, he's hopping in that bed and he's going to try to get some sleep. Uh, apparently he just shrugs off Jacob's warning. He's like, huh, Jacob, what a liar. I never could trust that guy. I'm going to bed. So we see Jiminy Cricket. He's now got uh, a new person to uh, be th their conscience. He's got to be their conscience. He's got to be their guide because he already took care of Pinocchio. Or maybe this is what he was doing before he hooked up with Pinocchio and helped him out. <clears throat> Either way, it's like, all right. Jiminy Cricket, you know, hits the bells on the alarm clock, like, hey, wake up, Scrooge, and Scrooge will, oh, what, what? I'm like, you've been in there five minutes, if that. You can't tell me you fell into a deep sleep that you're like, what, what, what happened? <laughs> and Scrooge is starting to go back to sleep because you hear him snoring again. It's like, oh, let's go. Look, time's a-wasting. I don't have all night. We got... Spirit number one, who's, like, right outside the window, who's, like, tapping the watch, like, let's go with this. I got other people I gotta visit tonight. Got a busy busy schedule. Everyone's got to be there at a certain time. Oh, excuse me. No, this is ghost number one. This is the ghost of Christmas past. Excuse A. And, of course, Jiminy opens his suit jacket to reveal this beautiful gold with yellow lettering that's this pin that says ghost of christmas past official official pin granted of course scrooge is scrooge so what's he gonna do he's gonna insult jimmy like huh, i thought you'd be taller and of course jimmy's like excuse me yeah, I don't think so. Look, if men were measured by kindness, you'd be no bigger than a speck of dust, okay? So don't come at me with it. I'm trying to be taller. <laughs> well, I thought you'd be less of a jerk, but here we are. He rolls his eyes, Ebenezer does. Like, come on, enough with this. I'm just going to close my curtains on my bed and be gone with you. So Jiminy heads over to the window, opens it up. Of course, you know, there is no screen in this window. There never is when it comes to windows. Opens it, snow fl flurries fly in, the wind picks up. 
and blows out the candle. Right away, Ebenezer freaks out, holding his blanket up to him. He's like, Spirit, what are you doing? And Jiminy's like, look, we're going to visit your past. You coming or not? Well, you don't really have a choice in the matter, so you best get up. Granted, of course, Scrooge is looking down like, we're like two stories up. I am not. I'm not going out this window. I'm going to fall to my death. And it's like, well, either that way or you're going to get to the uh, eternity of wearing chains for the rest of your life a lot faster if you do, so... So Jiminy and his magic umbrella, or Christmas, the ghost of Christmas past, however you want to call him, I'm calling him Jiminy. Or I could call him C-O-P, or G-O-P, ghost of Christmas, G-O-C, whatever, I'm calling him Jiminy. So while um, J- Jiminy's got his magic umbrella and he's going all Mary Poppins on Scrooge, Scrooge is freaking out, apparently he's afraid of heights, and Jiminy's like... Gee, Scrooge, I thought you were looking down on the world. What's with your freakout attack, huh? So, Jiminy deposits, deposits Ebenezer right outside this window. We don't know what's going on in there. We don't know what time period it is. All we know is there's a nice golden glow inside that building. And apparently it's Christmas time because there's a Christmas wreath hanging on the outside of the window. Fezzy wig. Okay, so it's his first employer. He's like, I couldn't have worked for a kinder man. Well, all right, we're going back to the Robin Hood. Here we got uh, Clucky, isn't it? Who made Marion's um, chambermaid or um, what? Uh, servant and lady, lady's maid or something to that effect, right? got the frog from uh, Ichabod and the frog, Ichabod and the toad, or whatever he's called. Ah, and we have the brother-sister bunnies from Robin Hood. Aww. Oh my gosh, it's the drunk goose from Aristocats. I have no idea who those squ- squ- squirrels are supposed to represent. Oh, at one time, apparently uh, Ebenezer was a young, shy, non- didn't have a violent, angry bone in his body. Because he's just kind of sitting on this box of meat or I'm not sure what it is. But he's just kind of, he's glancing off like, oh, I don't know. I'm not really a big fan of, uh, you know, public dancing and all that kind of stuff. Just make, you know, he's probably just, I'm with you there, Ebenezer. I'm not, that stresses me out too. I'm, I don't like to dance. I just, I I'm just not big gathering. Just I don't like him. <laughs> Dang, Jimmy, you are sticking it to him. Like, yeah, that was before you became a miserable miser consumed by greed. I love how Jimmy just—he's enjoying. You know, he's enjoying taking these pot shots at uh, Ebenezer. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's when you're sweet and innocent. Now you're just a big old money hungry, you know, uh, bloodsucker or whatever. Oh. Oh, there's lovely Isabel. Oh, she's a pretty girl. I see that mistletoe. I know what she's got planned. So, um, Isabel, yeah, she's got this really pretty pink bow in her hair, which matches her light pink dress with her fuchsia color. It's uh, fuchsia colored shoes match her bow, and she's got this beautiful black choker. I was never into the choker thing. Never wore one. Never saw what the appeal was to wear a choker. It just 
Mm. She goes over to him like, Ebenezer? And she gets like right in his face like, Ebenezer? And he's like, oh, hi, Isabel, yes, yes. And she gets right in and she just takes his hand like, I, I'm, uh, I'm doing this. I'm, I, you don't have a say in the matter. We are going to dance right now. Oh, she knows what she's doing. She pulls him right underneath that mistletoe as she's like, my eyes are closed, my lips are puckered, and I'm standing under the mistletoe. Like, kiss me. I don't need, I don't want to have to draw you a picture. Just do it. This couldn't be more easier for you. Of course, he's Mr. Awkward. He's like, oh, you're uh, also standing on my foot. And she just starts doing a little swing dance slash square dance. They're just, you know, going around dancing and everything like that. And I'm not sure what this gray goblin gargoyle looking dog bulldog face thing is supposed to be. What he's from. Maybe the Ichabod and the frog or the toad short. Not the dancers, the chipmunks. Huey, Dewey, Louie! They're dressed in red. Oh, and they're putting decorations on the tree. So she is, like, putting her, like, lips, like, right in his face. Like, come on. I c- couldn't make this more easier for you. Just just put your lips on my lips. And he's like, I don't, not sure. I, and she's like, that's it. I'm just kissing you on the side of the face then. They're still, oh, they're under, she, yeah, they went, she swung him back around to underneath the mistletoe. And that's a long kiss, because she, like, was, like, s- sucking on the side of his feathered face. Like, 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 he's sucking up a piece of spaghetti. Like, whoa. But he's got, like, hearts exploding around him, because, ooh, I like that. And, you know, this is just a memory, so Ebenezer can't exactly say, hey, guy, get with it. She likes you. You know you like her, especially after the kiss she gave you. He can't He can't interact. He can't intervene because this is just a memory for him. Of course, he remind, this seeing this is lighting a little, a little spark inside of him. It's like, oh, wow. You know, I remember how much I was so, I was so in love with her. And Jiminy, who <laughs> goes to Christmas past that he is, he's got to burst that little uh, that spark. Extinguish that flame. Like, you know what? Yeah, you did love her. Till you learned to live something more. Of course, before Jiminy says that, the snow and the wind kind of blow that light out inside. Because it was just a memory. In ten years' time, Ebenezer learned to love something else. Something that, it doesn't love you back. Money does not love you back. And at the end of the day, guys, you know money does not buy happiness. It might buy contentment for a short period of time, but at the end of the day, it does not buy you happiness. Now we are back inside his accounting office, and we hear him counting and counting and counting his money. Bob Cratchit isn't there yet. Either he had the day of doubt. He had the day off. I don't even think that he's even employed yet because you saw how young and fresh feathered, white feathered Ebenezer was in that flashback. His feathers are gray. He is at least 50 years old, maybe 45. Because, like I said, 
people looked old when they were like 45, 50. They probably looked more like they were 70. It's his counting house. Why? I keep calling it like an accounting firm. He's counting 9,972, 9,000 and... So he's got all these coins. So I'm just guessing that this Fezziwig guy... I... He... Ebenezer just had to have gotten that greed from somewhere. I mean, it must have... I mean, he must have been influenced by the Fezziwig. The, the guy that, you know, his boss or whoever. Unless... This, in 10 years, his behavior changed so much. Just the idea of having money. Because I know they say having people win the lotteries, like that changes you. You aren't the same person afterwards. People will say, oh, no, it's not going to change you. It's not going to change you. But if you think about it, it does change you having that money where you didn't have that type of money and that freedom before. And you can't even see him. All you see is an extended arm, like, putting one coin on top of another. And now we see poor Isabel's like, Ebenezer? He's, yes, what is it? She says, for years I've had this honeymoon cottage, Ebenezer. So she bought that herself? Because eventually he mentioned something about um, he has to foreclose on it because she missed a payment or something like that. It's been wait 10 years, guys. 10 years she's been waiting for this man to stop counting his coins and at least look in her direction and marry her. But, of course, Ebenezer's a young, you know, protege working for the boss, and he probably wants to take over that position. But, of course, you got to work your way up that ladder. You have to have the experience. He had no time for the love. That was probably the only kiss that she ever got from him. And it's just, it's, it's sad. It's like she wasted 10 years of her life on somebody that wouldn't love her back, that found something better to, well, not better, but something else that took his attention away from her. It's like, and that, I wouldn't have given it 10 years to one person if they don't have the same feelings for me. I would have said after not even, like, you're not into this anymore? Fine. I'm not going to waste my time. I'm going to find someone who loves me and respects me for me. An Ebenezer that is clearly not going to be you. The look he gives her. Because she asks him, now I must know, have you made your decision? And he's side-eyeing her with the most annoyed look. And I can only give it this. Hold on. This little soundbite I'm going to play is going to be what sums up this look. This hard, cold, narrow-eyed, furrowed-browed look that he gives her. What did you want to ask? What do you want? <laughs> just go! <laughs> this guy, I swear! He just, he's narrow-eyed... Just fertile brows, just kind of side-eyeing her, just like taking his coins, just kind of like, like you would with a deck of playing cards. Like, can I help you with something? What do you want? Well, she's like, well, I have the honeymoon cottage, you know, I thought you'd, you know, marry me and everything like that. 
have you made your decision? He's like, yeah, I have. Uh, by the way, your last payment on the cottage was an hour late. So I'm foreclosing. And you just see this girl's heart just literally visually break in half. And it's just like, my God. And even Jimmy's like, my God. Scrooge, look what you've become. You love that gold more than you love this beautiful, amazing creature I see before me. And she cries and just leaves. And you see, Ebenezer, see, this is another memory. And Scrooge sees it, and he sees how he messed up. And Jerry's like, yeah, you lost that girl forever because of your obsession with your gold and your money. Like, that was so much more important. Instead of having a wonderful, amazing person in your life that could love you back because your money never will. He continues counting, and she just, she gives him the side eye. And it's like, oh, we're back to that again, are we? Well, this slams that door. I would have loved if she'd slammed the door so hard that it fell off its hinges, but it goes one better. Because all those stacks of coins <laughs> obliterate just <laughs> right off his desk. Like, serves him right. Have fun counting those 10,000 coins of whatever denomination. So, Scrooge has seen two memories, and already he's like, Spirit, I can't take any more, please. Just take me home. And I, and I was like, oh, you, we have not even begun yet. We are not done, buddy. This is just, this is just a taste of what you are going to look forward to. Because, like Marley said, I am not the only spirit. I am the spirit of Christmas past. You still have present and future that are going to come and get you. So be ready. And trust me, I don't think they're going to be as nice as I've been to you. Especially that last one. <laughs> oh, I mean, I wouldn't want to meet that guy in a dark alley, I'll tell you what. Apparently it's 2 a.m. And um, I don't know what time it was that he fell asleep. Probably after midnight. So he's been probably an hour for each memory, I'm guessing. Because when Scrooge wakes, wakes up, he doesn't see Jiminy anywhere. He's like, oh, whew, it's just a dream. No, it's not. Because he opens his curtains of his bed. And we see the giant from that Mickey and the Beanstalk thing. Apparently he decided to uh, get a second job and play the Ghost of Christmas Present. This guy is on a big throne. He's a big, big guy, by the way. He's got one tooth, a big red bulbous nose that rivals Rudolph. And he's got these sandals and this really nice green robe that is, like, edged in, like white faux fur. He's got like a feast before him. I mean, if you're into like bananas and that could be a pumpkin, maybe some other fruits and veggies and what have you. Isn't that cartoon food always looks amazing? And Ebenezer is like literally, what the what? There's a giant in my... He's like, okay, I'm closing this. This has got to be a dream. I'm right. Closes it. He's like, poof. Because the giant, you know, he relies on his sense of smell. Maybe he's visually impaired, I don't know. Um, but 
Isn't that kind of how giants work? They rely on smell, don't they? Because they, he was yammering about something. He's like, I smell, I smell, I smell ducky. No, <laughs> you smell me? <laughs> no, I'm quoting Land Before Time. <laughs> I love that movie. And the giant, when Scrooge pulls back those curtains of his bed again, the giant pulls a T-Rex from Jurassic Park move with the giant eye as the curtains are parted. Like, whoa, whoa, that is too close for comfort. I haven't paused here. And <laughs> you see this giant bulbous eye. I don't think it retracts like the T-Rex or anything, but uh, Ebenezer is definitely freaked out. It's not like he's shining a flashlight at his eye or anything like that. Oh, the giant calls Ebenezer a stingy little Englishman. Well, is that an ice cream sundae there? In like a silver um, dish? So this is a feast of food of riches here. We got one pie of every flavor. He doesn't go on to describe what they are. Apparently there's a suckling pig who's suckling on an apple. He's dead, by the way. Mince pies, turkey. So Scrooge is telling us what there is. Okay, we're hearing some weird stuff. Um, I don't know if you're into it, uh, but the giant lists <laughs> chocolate pot roast. Apparently, is that something? I've never heard of it in my life. And he says pistachio. I think he says pudding. He says with yogurt. And the way he folds his hands and put like, like, oh, yogurt, I love me some yogurt. Okay, this is interesting. So Scrooge is kind of wondering, like, where did this feast come from exactly? And the giant explains, this is the food of generosity, which you have long denied your fellow man. You know, because he's taxing everybody, like, 80% on a daily basis. So, of course, they have no food to eat. In other words, Scrooge is probably feasting on this on a daily basis while the rest of the area that he governs is eating next to nothing. Scrooge is like, he scoffs at the word generosity. Like, no one's ever shown me generosity. And I'm sure the giant's like, well, you've never given them a reason to show you generosity with you taxing them to death. He probably is taxing people to death because they have no money. And the giant says there are some that find enough warmth in their hearts, even for their likes of you. So, of course, he's speaking of Bob Cratchit. You never really hear Bob complain. I mean, we only saw him for that scene, but he generally, Bob's got goodness in his heart. He's, I think he sees something there that's in Ebenezer, but Ebenezer is long since buried any show of any kind of affection or warmth or heart to the point where he probably doesn't even know what that emotion even feels like <laughs> because it's non-existent. All right, so this is the ghost Christmas present. He's like, oh, you'll see, because Scrooge's like, oh, no acquaintance of mine's ever shown me any warmth. He's like, you think you know, but you don't. So the giant climbs out, <coughs> excuse me, of Ebenezer's place, uses the light post as a flashlight. That's interesting. So apparently the giant is just kind of tiptoeing around as best as he can because he's huge and these streets are narrow. 
trying to find Bob Cratchit's place. He just, I love how these roofs just magically lift open. And he lifts open one, and you hear this woman scream. She was probably in the bathroom or the bathtub, and you just do Invasion of privacy, giant, learn it. So he shines a flashlight on the right home, grabs Ebenezer, and drops his butt right in the snow. Like, here, look in this window. And Ebenezer is just like, why'd you bring me to this place? This dump. And, of course, the giant's like, this is the home of your overworked, underpaid employee, Bob Cratchit. You're going to learn something about this man that you constantly take for granted on a daily basis. This guy does the work of, like, ten people, and you pay him next to nothing. I would have added, like, yeah, look at this. See this generous man. This could be you. This could have been you. This could have been your life. Something similar along these lines with a family, some kids. You've sat down to a nice dinner. Instead, you just got your money. All right, we got Bob Cratchit. We got a couple kids here, a boy and a girl. They are dressing up the sparsely little Christmas tree with some uh, popcorn garland. And we see Bob's wife over there by the fire. You know, she's getting ready for dinner and everything. And, of course, I get it. I mean, you see a big pot in the oven. You kind of assume, like, oh, that feast, that looks good. I bet that soup, isn't it? Nope, it's not. And Scrooge is like, what is she cooking, a canary? Well, since you pay them next to nothing, that's probably what they are eating. And he's like, well, surely they must have more food than that. It's like, well, you'd think that, wouldn't you? That's what a few shillings and a halfpenny and a half will get you. Next to nothing. And mind you, they don't have themselves just to feed. They got kids to feed. You know kids, they got growing bodies. They eat quite a bit so they don't have deficiencies and stuff like that. Yeah, Scrooge is all like, yeah, look at the fire. Look, what's on the fire? What's in that pot? And the giant's like, uh... That's your laundry that you, like, you clean my laundry my undergarments. Yeah, that's that's what they're doing for you know, that hay penny when you started, he started doing your laundry umpteen years ago because you couldn't bother to do it yourself. Of course, we got the son and daughter. They are the older two children who go to sit down at the table. The boy is already tying the napkin around his neck. Of course, Bob's like, kids, 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 we gotta wait for your little brother, or we gotta wait for Tiny Tim. I love how Bob is dressed in a very nice button-up vest with a red suit jacket. He's got a green little bow tie, and this, I mean, the suit jacket, you know, it's got a little, you know, had to be repaired over the years, you know, it's got a little patch on the elbow, but he's still, he's looking great, looking nice. This is a special day, you know, for his family. So I'm not, I want to look it up and see if I can find what exactly the ailment was with Tiny Tim. Because he is walking with a crutch, so he could have been born, like, with a crippled leg. You know, have a limp. One of them does kind of look like the leg is turned inward, while the other one is, like, facing forward. So it could be maybe even a birth defect, maybe? I'm not sure. And, you know, this is back in the day, they didn't really have a lot when it came to proper medical, especially if you're underworked, overworked and underpaid. Really, what was there available? 
Of course, Tiny Tim, he's the baby of the family. He's the youngest. The other two look fine. They don't seem to have any medical issues of any kind. So here's what I found on uh, Wikipedia. Dickens did not explicitly say what Tiny Tim's illness was. However, renal tubercular acidosis type 1, which is a type of kidney failure causing the blood to become acidic, has been proposed as one possibility, another being rickets caused by a lack of vitamin D. All right. Understandable, like, you know, we really don't have much to eat. And like I said, kids, they're growing. They need a lot to get them on the right track to being healthy and growing properly. All that good stuff. Either illness was treatable during Dickens' lifetime, but fatal if not treated. Thus, following in line with the comment of the Ghost of Christmas present that Tiny Tim would die if these shadows remain unaltered by the future. Alright. So yeah, basically... If Scrooge was not affected by seeing Tiny Tim in any way, because if you think about it, if he hadn't seen Tiny Tim and he just saw the other kids and he saw, oh, that sucks for Bob, he really doesn't have, I kind of really wonder if he would have been changed at all. Like, yeah, he sees his family, you know, his employee that is struggling financially and, you know, little food, bit of food and all that stuff, I I really, I mean, he did say, oh, they must have more to eat than that, but it isn't until he sees this boy struggling down the stairs with a crutch that he's like, oh, that poor boy, that he really starts, he, he finally really starts to open his eyes. I love how Bob is with Tiny Tim. He just goes over, picks up his son, kind of tosses him in the air and everything, he just... Tiny Tim just loves his daddy, and Bob just loves his little boy. And Tiny Tim is just the epitome of optimism here. Bob sets him in his seat, Mom takes his little crutch and hat, and Tim just looks at all of this. It's like, wow, look at all the wonderful things to eat. He doesn't even care that there's not much there. It's just he sees this as... This is a feast. Like, wow, this is amazing. Just him being with his family and just whatever they have to eat is what they have to eat. And he's just pure optimism. He, this boy is a glass half full. Whereas Ebenezer, I think, honestly, he is one of those glass half empty kind. I don't know. Unless that glass is filled with coins, he ain't gonna care. And this is so sweet, as this boy is just like his daddy, where he's like, we must thank Mr. Scrooge, because without him, we wouldn't even have this. You see when he's like, we must thank Mr. Scrooge, and you see his mom, who's holding Tim's crutch, and just looking down at it, and just so sad, it's like, oh, you know, we should thank Mr. Scrooge, shouldn't we? And of course, mind you, this is the present time, so Scrooge is like, tell me, spirit, what's wrong with that kind lad? And pretty much all that uh, the giant says, you know, the ghost of Christmas present says, is like, much, I'm afraid, if these shadows remain unchanged, I'm... it's, it's not going to be good. I'll tell you that right now. He says, I see an empty chair where Tim... Tiny Tim once sat. 
And I love how they gave Tim the biggest piece of that chicken. And how Tim is like holding it like, here, Daddy, you can have mine. And it's just so sweet. This boy is so giving. And he's just, he's going through so much with just being disabled. But he, he, he just sees like, no, you can have mine. It's okay. I don't need it. I don't need to have much. Because you see, you know, Bob there with a, um, whether it might be a lima bean, and he's just kind of cutting little slices, like slivers of it. And that's kind of what he's got. And this is so sweet as Bob just looks at his son and just pulls him in and just, you know, puts his face by his face like, oh, buddy, no, no, sweetie, you, you eat that. that. That's for you, okay? And we pull back from the sweet setting and the family togetherness around the table. We pull back to outside and the light inside dims. And Ebenezer's like realization is hitting him like a smack to the face, a punch to the gut. He's like, then that means Tim, Tim will... And then he looks, and it's dark, and it's like the spirit is gone. Like, spirit, where, where, where did you go? Where did you go? And he's looking back into the window, and the window is dark. He's like, where did they go? And he's like, no, spirit, come back. You, you have to tell me about Tim. What's going to happen to Tim? It's like, he is all in. He is all invested. Like, I have to know what's going to happen to him. Or it's like... Buddy, that is unwritten. Right now, you are the one holding the key to their, their salvation and what's going to happen to them. You are that key. What you do next is going to decide their future. And it better not be that they have to bury a son. All of a sudden, Scrooge finds himself... He doesn't realize it yet, but he's coughing. There's a lot of smoke. He's got his hands like he's bent over the stone and he doesn't see what it is yet. He doesn't even know where he is because it's like his whole peripheral vision and everything behind him and in front of him is completely like white out with smoke. But he looks down, he's like, that looks like a tombstone. So we see a man, it's dark. You can tell it looks like... It may be dusk, it may be dawn, the sky is decorated in dark purple and hues of fuchsia pink. You know, Ebenezer realizes he is in fact in a graveyard. And then he turns and looks at this man who is draped in this red cloth from head to toe, this, this cape and this head wrap. And Scrooge looks up at him, and he, he, he knows where he is. He's like, what will happen to Tiny Tim? And this man says nothing. He just points, like, look over there. And this is just utterly heartbreaking as Scrooge is now hit with the reality. That's Tiny Tim there. As you see Bob laying that crutch down at his son's headstone. And you see the mother walking away with her other two children. And it's... I know I'm getting... I'm getting worked up and it's just sad. Bob 
is holding that crutch, he brings it to his face and just kind of holds it as if, you know, he's still connected to his son in a way. He's like, that's all he has left of him. And it's just sad. You see, you know, Bob is tearing up and he's upset. He's like, that's my boy. That was my boy. And he just lays the crutch on the top of, you know, Tim's grave and just, he sadly just, he, he walks away. It's like, what else can I do? He's probably beating himself off. Like, what could I have done differently? And Scrooge is like, just, oh no. And he looks at this, this man draped in this red cloth, you know, that it's clearly um, the ghost of Christmas future. And he's like, oh no. Tell me, spirit, can these things be changed? I didn't want this to happen. And, yeah, he, he's definitely feeling it now. He's, like, feeling, like, uh, you know, tell me, please, that these events can still be changed. And this hard cut to these weasels that are digging up a grave. It's like, ugh. of course, it's like, whose grave is that? So, it's like, yeah, go over there and find out. They're just kind of saying about, like, no one cares that this guy's gone. They weren't even here for his funeral. And you see it before Ebenezer does. It says, R.I.P. Ebenezer Scrooge. But he looks down into this cavernous hole that will eventually hold the body. And he's like, spirit, tell me whose grave this is. And the spirit who's been smoking a cigar this whole time just whacks that match against that granite. And it lights it up. And it says, R.I.P. Ebenezer Scrooge. And the hood comes off as the guy lights his cigar. And, of course, it's Pete. This guy is just really creepy, smoking a cigar, got dark shadows under his eyes. He's like, why it's yours, Ebenezer? And he's like, the richest man in the cemetery. As he claps Ebenezer on the back and Ebenezer goes flying into that grave. And he is, like, hanging on by, like, the roots of of the dirt there, of the hole that's been dug. And you, this is really dark. And this would have scared me as a child. There's a coffin, and you see smoke, and you see the coffin, the top of it lift up, and this glowing light. The spirit is laughing, like, guy, you deserve this. This all what happened to Tiny Tim and how it affected that family, that's on you. And it's almost like one of those dreams where it's like, you know you're going to fall to your death. Like, you don't, there's no way you're getting out of this hole and death is coming for you. And you see Scrooge, no, 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 I can change, I can change, I promise. And he's Finally, he finally that root that he's holding onto gives way and he plunges right down into that hole. He's no, I can change, I can change. And he wakes up and he must have had a very dramatic trip because he is just he's ripped the curtains from that bed. And he realizes, you know, he wakes up and he realizes that he is in his own room, that it's daytime. He goes to the window pushes open the doors, you hear the bells chime, and he's like, it's Christmas morning. It's not too late. I still have a chance to fix this. I love how he hugs that white dove that just appears by the window. He is just 
excited. He's just, you know, dancing around. He's like, and he's in his, you know, nightgown and everything like that, in his cabin and slippers. And he's so excited. He's like, I'm going to put my hat. He, his foot goes right through his hat. And, of course, that, um... That hat rack, coat rack thing has <laughs> got a scarf attached to it. And, of course, he's, like, he's he's just so excited. Like, his mind is, like, going, like, 100 miles an hour. Like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to surprise him. And then I'm going to see the joy and happiness on their face. And then I'm going to do this. It's like, all in his mind, it's just, it's like he can't move fast enough. So he pretty much puts on his now broken top hat. He's got his coat on. He's got his cane. He's got his slippers on. He's like, I don't care. I don't care how I do it. Look, I am going on this. I got a mission. I'm on a mission to make things right. All right. We got uh, the little bunny. And um, was it Toby was the turtle in Robin Hood? What was the bunny's? The uh, bunny's name was... Um, I cannot think of it. Skippy! Skippy was the... Oh! Skippy was the bunny! See, he's got Robin's hat and the and the red feather. And Toby was the turtle. <laughs> but yeah, they're there. You know, they're having fun in the snow and the street. We see the two solicitors, the one that's got the Sherlock Holmes. You know, he's dressed like Sherlock Holmes and the guy in the... The beanie hat, the bowler cap. Scrooge comes out, and of course the guys are freaked out because you know, you know, he threw them out of his office the other day. So yeah, ah, don't hurt us. Don't hit us with your cane. We won't, we won't ask for money or donations anymore. And he's like, ah, well, bless me. Good morning, gentlemen. And he takes the bowler hat off the the mole's head and just gives him a fistful of money, like fills up that bowler hat, puts it back on his head. It's like, oh, what, this isn't enough? Here you go. And he, he's got little bags of money. Like, here you go. If that's not enough, come and see me. I will hook you up with more, all right? Have a great day. Have a great Merry Christmas. 20 gold sovereigns. They are so happy with this generosity. It's like this is more than enough to help, you know, build a nice community center for the family and just be able, or for, you know, the community and just be able to, like, do, like, dinners and stuff like that, like, once a week or something. Just help out people less unfortunate, get some programs started, set people up with, you know, stuff like that. Like, maybe even, like, a, a shelter for people who have lost their homes. I bet anything, like, he is going to, Scrooge is going to take that whole 80% debt. No, 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 don't worry about that. Just forget it. Don't worry. It's okay. Everything, everything, you are all, all of you are starting out a clean slate. You owe me nothing, okay? You owe me nothing. The slate has been wiped clean. This is a new day. This is a new era from now on. I love that he's just going through town. Scrooge is like, hey, everybody, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Hey, how's it going? Everyone's just kind of looking at him like, is this Ebenezer? Is this Mr. Scrooge? Is he the guy? Is this the same guy who's been, like, on our case, like, taxing us like, like crazy? They just can't believe it. It's like something happened to this guy. Like, like... The idea that this man's had a change of heart just, like, within the last, like, less than 24 hours is just mind-boggling. Of course, <clears throat> no one's more surprised than, um, Fred. Fred, who's in his cart with his horse. He's like, hey, the Christmas party, you told me about it. I'm gonna be there, don't worry, and save some of the, that pudding for me, alright? I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be there with bells on. 
And he walks off, and Fred and his horse just look at each other like, really? This this is my uncle, right? I mean, this is... Okay! (laughs) All right, he stopped off at at a store to get some toys and some other cool stuff, and he is making his way to Cratchit's place. Granted, of course, that he slips that demeanor on just ever so quick, like that same demeanor, like, I'm not going to go in here all happy, happy just yet. I don't want to reveal anything yet. Because he comes in, say, to to Bob, this is the same man he just was working with less than 24 hours ago. And Bob is like, opens the door and sees his boss, like, oh, Mr. Scrooge, <laughs> Merry, Merry Christmas, um, I, you said I could have part of this day off with my family, what's going on? He's like really confused, like, uh, we talked about this yesterday, you said it was cool, I want to spend it with my family, I know you don't have one, but I have a family, I'd like to see them more than once a year, if that, I'd like to see them more than just on the weekends, which you usually have me working the two. He's putting up this whole bah humbug front, and of course... They probably figure, like, oh, let me guess, you got another load of laundry for us to do because you just did this other load. And he's got the sack, and the sack kind of opens up, and a teddy bear comes out of it. Of course, Tim is right by that. He sees that bear. He's like, oh, what else is in there? Hmm. And, of course, you know, he's like, it's Christmas Day. What's going on? You said I could have it off. And she's just like, Christmas Day. Give me a break. It's just another excuse for being lazy. Just like I said, it's just another work day, all right? And at first, you'd think that it almost gets to the point, like, Bob's afraid that Ebenezer's going to fire him. Like, is that why you're here? You're going to fire me, right? Oh, my God. In front of my wife and kids? He's like, oh, I've had another another thing. I've had enough of this half-day-off stuff. You leave me no alternative. He gets right in Bob's face, Ebenezer does. And you... Bob is scared to death. He's like, oh my god, he's, this man is going to fire me in front of my family. I'm not going to have anything. He's like, but to, you leave me no alternative but to give you. And he puts an arm around him. And we cut over to Tim, who's opened that bag, filled with toys, like toys. And Ebenezer's like, yes, toys. I mean, I mean no, no, not toys. I mean, yes, of course, the toys. But I'm giving you a raise. And Bob's like, a, a raise? Really? And Ebenezer's like, yeah, yeah, and I'm making you my partner. Like, you and me, bud. You've earned it. You you deserve it. You work hard. You're there for me when I need you. You're there for me when maybe I don't need you. You're always there. You're reliable, dependable, and I don't trust anybody else more with this money than what than you. You have earned this. There's also a giant turkey in that bag, which is awesome. The kids are playing with the toys. It's like, oh! And Bob's like, Mary, oh, thank you, Mr. Scrooge. And I love how Ebenezer just scoops up Tim, who's holding on to the little bear. And Ebenezer just looks at him and is like, Merry Christmas, Bob. See, none of this Cratchit nonsense. He's calling him Bob. Like, we're on a first-name basis here, guy. You've earned that, too. And Tiny Tim's like, and God bless us, everyone. He says, everyone. And he just hugs Ebenezer around the neck. It's like, aw. 
He's like, you got that right, buddy. You couldn't be more right on that guy. And Ebenezer sits in the rocking chair with Tim and the the other son and daughter just come and hang around, you know, sitting by the rocking chair. And it's almost like, I think in a way, it's almost like he becomes like that extra grandfather guy that the kids can dote on and stuff like that. And it's just, I love this. I love, this is such a great ending to this. And it's just, the fact that just seeing those things take place, like, he was aware of the things that took place in the past, but it's been so long that he's just put them out of his mind and out of his memory. So he needed to be reminded, like, this is who you were in the beginning. This is what this money did to you over time. And look what you've lost. And look at this. this look, people receive you in this way. That they're not even there when you're dead. They don't even care. No one came to your funeral. No one's coming to your burial. And they're not even going to worry about, you know, filling in the dirt in your grave. They're like, leave it. He's got time. He ain't going nowhere, right? But it was Tim and Bob's family that he realized, like, I need to make a change. Like, I am fully responsible for the death of this child if I don't make a change that's going to be on me I can't live with that like that first step starts with you Ebenezer you, you take a step in the right direction you know that everything you do say and every decision you make affects other people around you I just guys I love this I love it so much it's so sweet it's so endearing and it makes you just just appreciate things and what you have and how, and not only what you have, but what you have that you can give of yourself to other people that might not, that might want what, you know, the things that you have, that they struggle and they fight and they do what they can. And it's just, life just pushes back at them. It's like, there's nothing wrong with, you know, helping out and just, you know, guys, like I say, we're all in this world together, man. We're, we're all in it together. We're all, we're going through the same, you think that, you know, you're going through something, someone else has probably gone through the same thing, or is going through something just as bad. It's like, help each other, you know, help each other. So yeah, that, that's my review on the the uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol. I love this. I watch it every single year. It's so near and dear to my heart. I used, to, you know, I had the uh, Golden Book <clears throat> um, story of the Mickey's Christmas Carol. Excuse me, and um, I just I loved it then. I loved it now. I will continue to love it. Continue to watch it. It's one of my favorites. It's in my rotation, and I really hope that you guys enjoy my review on this. If you guys want to send me an email, I would love to hear from you. As always, lbomwonderyearspodcast at gmail.com. Have a great December, everybody, and I look forward to coming back in the new year with new episodes of the, my shows that I'm covering. I'm not going away, guys. I still got plenty of Christmas stuff coming at you. We still got at least... 
let's see, we got less than two weeks, less than two weeks until Christmas Day, so, that being said, we got, I got a lot of stuff coming at you guys, so be, don't worry, just, you got plenty of Christmas stuff to listen to, so, all right, have a great weekend, everybody, bye-bye.